Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour Voices, a special series on the Mom Hour showcasing diverse voices from across the motherhood community. I'm Megan Francis, and on this Voices episode, we're doing something a little different. I'll be joined by Catherine DeVries, a mom of three and a member of our contributor team, and Catherine is actually going to interview me about seasonal family life. We're talking about everything from what kind of seasonal activities we enjoy doing with our kids, as well as the ones we don't enjoy so much how we feel about seasonal decorating, and how different it can be to parent year-round when you live in an area that has distinct seasons, like I do in Michigan, versus a place where the climate is steadier, like Catherine experiences in Southern California. I'm also offering some tips and advice on how to help kids transition between seasons, how to make those long winter stretches feel less dreary, and how to bring seasonality into your decor without spending a ton of money. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. 
Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Hey, Catherine. So happy to have you on the show. So happy to be here. Um, so this is really exciting. As I kind of um, teed up in the intro, we're going to turn the tables a little bit and you're going to actually be interviewing me today. So I will attempt to like relinquish the reins and not try to control the conversation. Um, but before we jump into that, Catherine, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your family. Yeah, so um, I live in Southern California, although I'm originally from the Chicago area and lived um, on the East Coast for a while. And I have three kids, one, three, and five, um, and two dogs. So I'm a, I imagine that um, the experience of seasonal living, seasonal decorating, seasonal parenting is a little bit different where you are now than where you were before. Oh, for sure. And it's um, it's one of those things where you kind of forget that the seasons have changed. And sometimes we go straight from summer to like Christmas and just skip everything in between. Um, which is, you know, sometimes one of the things I miss about living in other places across the country. So I can't wait to talk to you about it. Yeah. And it's really the only experience I've ever had that I've had, um, four distinct seasons and pretty dramatically distinct, um, in the upper Midwest. So all right, Catherine. Well, I'm going to hand this over to you and let you kind of um, get started with the questions that you have for me. I'm excited. Yeah. So my first one is kind of the most obvious one, but I, as I have had children, it's been interesting to me because seasons that were my favorite before have now kind of become my least favorite. And I'm wondering if you currently have a favorite season and if that has changed over the course of having kids and then having your kids go through these different, yeah, you know, ages and stages. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think fall is still kind of the undisputed favorite. I think that's pretty common for people who live in a place like this. It's just beautiful. You're ready for like a break from the um, heat. And it, there's so many associations that go along with the crunchy leaves and the crisp air and the boots and the sweaters and all that. So that has remained my like undisputed favorite. But what I will say is that when my kids were really little, I had a really hard time with like later winter all the way up till the end of spring. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say from any, like after Christmas through um, at like March, sometimes into April. And that's because spring can just be messy 
um, really, really messy when you have little kids tracking muck in and out. It's still really cold. The weather is unpredictable. So you may end up with things like you thought they were all out of snowsuits and now you got to get them all back out. And then the weather can just be like kind of chronically disappointing. I would especially say um, March, April can, it seems like it's going to get warm, but then it doesn't. So those for, for years were just not my favorite. And now that my kids are getting older, it's such like, there's so much less hassle involved that I feel like I'm rediscovering the things that I enjoy about a really cold winter day or kind of a mucky spring day. It just, there were definitely years where I was not feeling it. And while the winter holidays have always been great, I have always loved those as a little kid through being a mom, but those are starting to kind of fade a little bit into the background as like the focal point of the year, which I just think it's kind of sad, but like probably needed because the Christmas holidays have been like mom prime time for me for so long right? that it's nice to have a little break from that. So I'm curious, I know your kids are still a lot younger than mine. Have you experienced similarly? Yeah, well... You know, one of one of the major reasons, honestly, that my husband and I moved to Southern California was because of that. We went to school in upstate New York and that exact season that you're describing was like misery. I feel like I still have nightmares about it. Um, <laughs> and I as a teacher, it's funny, I experienced that, too. That's kind of like the the time of the year where everybody is just on their last leg, like in the classroom yes. and at home. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think. Fall for sure is something that we miss here in Southern California. I still try to do all of the, we try to drive and find fall for the kids um, yeah. because there's something so nostalgic about that. But for sure, I agree. Um, so my next question for you, which I think is interesting because you didn't really mention summer in your last, um, in what you just said before, is I'm wondering if you felt like your parenting changed a lot during the summer, especially when your kids were little. Um, I'm just kind of at the phase where we're starting a real school cycle. And I mm-hmm. definitely noticed this year that I did a lot of things just by necessity differently in the yeah. summer. Um, and I'd love to hear your take on that, whether that was true for you. Oh yeah, for sure. I would actually say that, um, when they were really little, not, there wasn't that much of a change. I mean, I like summer. I like it just fine. I don't think it's my absolute favorite um, season, but it feels like in Michigan, it's like the most necessary season because you've just now come out of that disappointing on and off, um, long spring thing that happens. And then you get in the summer, it's like, okay, we can just breathe. I just take it for granted. I don't think about it too much while it's happening. And then you get to the middle of February and you're like, oh my gosh, I really need that again. But I feel like when my kids were really, really little, it didn't change our lives a whole lot, except that we were outside more. Definitely when they were all in school, that was when I feel like we would get to that last day of school. And Sarah and I just did an episode where we were talking about, um, I don't know, like we were having a conversation about managing paperwork and things like that at the end of the school year. And I distinctly remember the year I decided I just wasn't going to deal with backpacks at the end of the year. I was just going to put them away with everything still in them <laughs> and deal with them like at the end of August. And that was kind of, that was like the mindset I would have by the time we got to that last week of May or first week of June or whenever the school year wrapped up. So we would just like slide into summer. We would just collapse into summer. Yeah. Just like, and the wheels would seriously fall off the bus. Um, when they were really little, particularly, I think it's getting better now that they're older because they just have more going on. So I can't, I can't loosen the reins quite the same way. And they don't have like 
little friends they're running around the neighborhood with the way they did it when they were in elementary school. But for sure, in that elementary school year, like um, time frame, it was very much like a really let the reins go and relax and sleep in and stay up late and snack more and eat junky food and ice cream and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And I think um, I realized I was probably never going to be the kind of mom who is going to be a real, like very strategic about easing back into the school routine. It would always come as kind of a surprise to me. (laughs) I'd be like, wait, what? (laughs) We got to get back on like a, some kind of a schedule, huh? And so I would just kind of keep my expectations of all of us and myself pretty low for like the first actual week or two of school. I was not great about creating a longer on-ramp or transition. And you know what? That was okay. Like it wasn't perfect. It probably is not something anyone would uh, write a how-to parenting article about, but um, we got through it and we've always enjoyed our summers like to the last moment, like milking every little bit of laziness out. And then we switch pretty quickly and pretty nimbly to the kind of organization and go, go, go you need for those first few weeks of, uh, for, of the school year. So that's how we've done it. I don't know that I would recommend it as a strategy though. Yeah. You know, it's funny though, that you say that because I, this year, my oldest is in kindergarten. So it was our first kind of major transition to fall. And I tried to do it the other way where I was, Mm -hmm. you know, front loading it, trying to get everyone on a schedule weeks early. And I honestly don't think it made a difference. Yeah. We were still just like a huge mess for the first, uh, we're like on week three now and we're still kind of flailing around trying to find our feet. So you, you might actually, you know, have the hack that no one would think is the hack, which is just (laughs) do nothing. (laughs) Don't you think sometimes we make things like harder on ourselves sometimes by trying to plan and get in front of problems that aren't necessarily problems. And then you realize you just went through all this planning and work. And then in the end, you still had to suffer through, like you still didn't, you didn't divert or get around the struggle. The struggle was going to happen no matter what. So yes. (laughs) And I think the preparation was almost more for me because Mm -hmm. it was all going to feel new to my kids no matter what. I did. Yeah. There was no way for it to not feel like a totally foreign experience. So I yeah, will say I one I, thing I think I've gotten a little bit better about is like you just said, preparing myself. Um, I will hit a point of the summer where I'm just done. Like I can't, I cannot sleep in one more. I don't really sleep in anymore. That's not a thing I'm able to do. My body just wants to wake up, but I can't like lay around for one more day. I can't have one more day where I'm just eating whenever or whatever the things are that I am just so over. I think what's different about me now is I realize I can change myself without changing everybody else and Mm -hmm. I can do things for me. And that doesn't mean everybody else has to be on board. Wow. That's a great point. Yeah, that's great. Cause the school year is a, is a big change for us and the kids. Yeah. So exactly. Um, well to kind of switch topics from that, I would also love to hear about the transitions that take place in your home, I think, especially during the fall season, because that's what we're in right now. Um, and I've heard you talk before about how you have, you know, certain systems for transforming like the decor and the vibe of Mm -hmm. what's going on in your house for each season. Um, and I have always wanted to be the kind of person who does this. Um, but I have always done it like way too late. It'll be like December and I'm like pulling out the Halloween mugs and I just cannot. get myself on a schedule. So I would love to hear 
your tips, your strategies, how you do that? Yeah. Well, I think this is one thing we're have like actually experiencing four distinct seasons really helps um, because I don't have like a schedule. I'm literally looking out the window and seeing like, oh, it's a little cooler today and hmm, just has that kind of fallish vibe in the air. And I think it's time for me to go get out my fall tablecloths or whatever it is. <laughs> um, one way that I keep it, that I make it happen is by keeping it really simple. I don't have like, I don't have to go shopping every year to get new stuff. I don't have a ton of things. They're all in a place where I could easily get to them. In fact, for a long time, all of my seasonal stuff was in one box and I would just swap out the pieces that were in season and put in, put away the stuff that was out of season. So it wasn't even like I had to go find like a box full of fall things and a box full of, um, spring things. It was like, they were, it was one big box of all of it. And a lot of things are kind of transitional. So you mentioned Halloween, but like there are things that are kind of fall, but not exactly Halloween. So maybe there's um, like a cornucopia out all through September and well into November. And then just for a brief moment, the Halloween stuff comes out. Mm-hmm. I do feel like that was harder when my kids were little. Cause we just had more of that kind of stuff. Like the kids were always bringing home um, things from school that could get added or, um, and then I would keep that, those things or the costumes were all mixed up with the Halloween decor, which again is two different things. Like you don't, you might want to have Halloween decor up all month, but you don't have to get the costumes out till the last week. Right. So it's like the keep the, where you keep those things I think can matter. I also think that it can happen slowly. Um, so like maybe at what I feel is the beginning of the season. And for me, that's going to be different from anybody. It's really hard when the stores are telling you that it starts in that fall starts in July. Um, mm-hmm. because then if you're like me and maybe you're like this too, Catherine, you rebel against that. You're like, it's not fall yet. I am ignoring that. And it becomes like white noise. And then you miss that actually now it is October. So <laughs> the sure. season actually kind of came right. So I feel like the school calendar kind of is a good thing to keep an eye on to tell me what's happening. Um, and I might start really basic. So maybe I'll put a different tablecloth out and then it's a different candle that comes out. And then when my kids were little, one of them would bring home something from school that was a little more seasonal and that got put out. And then maybe I get some cut flowers and there, and I can tell it's like right now the flowers I'm bringing home are end of summer flowers. Whereas a couple months ago they were spring flowers and all of those things kind of add up to the vibe, but I keep it pretty simple. And that helps me actually follow through. For sure. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder now if I if I and other people who live in places with like essentially one season um, could kind of do these like, you know, mild decor changes to help me feel like I'm actually experiencing a new season and moving into the next one instead of just kind of skipping it entirely. Well, and you know that I'm a, I'm a big fan of like old school magazines. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. this is like a great reason for that because it tells you if you pick up an issue of, you know, better homes and gardens or something and flip through it, it's reminding you of what's happening a little bit in advance, but not so far in advance that it's dumb. And then it's like, oh, right. It's time for mums or whatever the thing is. And yeah, in Michigan, I just also happen to have the advantage of physical reminders all around me of what, of what's happening. For sure. Yes. Um, so I, I kind of on the, on the same, um, vein as, as that, and you, uh, you probably already talked about this a little bit, but do you have any tips for people who kind of feel, you know, I think we live in, in the world of like Pinterest and Instagram mm. and, and there's like this expectation that 
you know, I don't know, your family somehow benefits from this like Pinterest worthy, you know, right. fall garlands <laughs> yeah. everywhere and stuff. Um, and I guess, do you have any tips for like how you can curate this over a long period of time without breaking the bank or just kind of like dealing with that? Um, yeah. Comparison anxiety, I guess. So I have realized that there's a few places where um, I really enjoy indulging in seasonal things. And those things would be things like bringing in, um, bringing in nature from outside. So like a, a flower, um, a little potted plant, something like that. I'm really into tablecloths. Those are a really easy way to switch up a room and you don't have to have a ton of them and you can use them year after year after year and candles. Um, and then what I hang on my fridge. So like, it's very, I don't have uh Rick, like Rick rack. Is that the word I'm looking for here? I don't have uh -huh. stuff all over the house and I don't feel a lot of pressure to be out buying new seasonal things every year. It's really little touches and especially little touches in the rooms I spend the most time. Um, so, oh, another one is switching out my um, kitchen towels. So that's something I do probably three, not, not four times a year, not five times a year, maybe three times a year. I've got some that are like generally springy summery. And then I've got some that are very fall. And then I've got some that are very wintry. And then that's kind of, um, that's just kind of it. And I don't buy new ones every year. I just put away the old ones when it seems like it's time and, and, and bring out the ones that are from last year. And if I'm at the store and I happen to see something I think is cute, I might buy it, but I didn't, I didn't go out like, now it's time for me to completely redecorate my house for the right. season. It's time to hit up Bed Bath & Beyond or wherever people go for that kind of thing. And I think like it's, it's looking at those pictures and being inspired without feeling like you have to copy. And especially right. without feeling like if it doesn't look like that, then you're failing. I'm thinking back when my kids were really little and we were really broke. And so seasonal decor would be, I would send them outside and tell them to bring me back like rocks and sticks. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we would have like a little display of what they, or pine cones or whatever they thought was interesting. And it was just stuff from outside. It wasn't even anything I spent any money on and, and actually, you know, kind of artfully arranged can be really effective. And then at the end, you just toss it back outside where it came from. So I think right. just like taking the pressure off and keeping things small and simple is probably the place to start and starting with the stuff you really enjoy. So, you know, maybe some people might really enjoy having wall hangings or different curtains or different throw pillows. I only buy new throw pillows every few years. I don't, that's not part of my every single season swap out strategy. I do right. it in different ways. Awesome. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. 
Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. So my next question for you actually was one that kind of came to me. I was visiting a friend in New York this past weekend, and I don't do a ton of farmer's market shopping here. Um which is kind of bizarre because I, I could do it all year. Um, but one of the things that felt very seasonal about her apartment was that she can only farmer's market shop in the summer. So she has all this like fresh fruit and bread and flowers. Um, and, you know, she made me like a salad with peaches in it. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you have, you know, if you do a lot of seasonal shopping or if you try to cook seasonally and how food plays into um, your experience of the the transitions through seasons. Well, isn't it funny how um, when you could do something year round, it's almost like less likely you will do it at all. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Just to kind of um, give you some, I don't know, like backup there. I don't think that's unusual. If it's always available, it doesn't feel special. Then it's like easy to forget. So um, when it comes to cooking seasonally, I love to cook seasonally, but it's just so easy here because the other option is to buy things that aren't local. So, um, I try to buy as many things as I can locally. And even the grocery store makes that pretty easy now. Like you can walk down the aisle and you can see if there's like a bushel of like green beans, it'll say from a local farm or whatever. And you start to get an eye for what are the things that are there year round and look the same all the time which is a pretty Mm -hmm. dead giveaway that it's not from here and it's probably not in season or the things that come and go. Um, And if you pay attention to it, it starts to become pretty obvious. So there is the farmer market, the farmer's market thing. And and here we have farm stands, which I know is different in every state. And I will say like, when I say a farm stand, I mean, truly a local farm where there is a little you know, wooden stand out in front mm-hmm. where you go buy their stuff. Sometimes I know that it, um, in some areas of the country, farm stands can kind of get a bad reputation because it could be literally anything. Like it's sometimes a little bit predatory because okay. it looks like they're local. Um, it's local produce, but it could be imported and you don't know what it is. So here it truly is like a local farm, but the farmer's market or 
CSA, which is like when you buy a share from a local farmer and you have all that stuff where you are Mm -hmm. too, I know. But when you do that here, you truly like the season, the growing season is so short. Um, and yeah, peaches were just really abundant, like two, three weeks ago and having an amazing fresh grilled peach when you know, you have like a really short window to get that or blueberries for me. Um, when I know the window of time that I can get access to blueberries is going to be short. And after that, they're going to be imported and just not as good. Um, it's like a driver. It makes me want to do that. And I Mm -hmm. think it ends up tasting a lot fresher and, um, and it just feels kind of a little more, if I'm going to live in a place that does have a short growing season where you don't have access to produce year, like fresh produce year round, then I want to at least take advantage of what's great about that, which is stuff that tastes amazing when it's in season and not so much (laughs) when it's not. So that's, it's kind of like a mindset shift, you know? Um, and I think it's just easier to do when you have to do it that way. Whereas if you didn't have to, I could see why it would fall off the radar. Yeah. And I, and I wonder, and I wonder if you have talked about this with your kids, but I used to, we used to vacation in Northern Michigan when I was a kid. And I remember eating cherries there that Mm -hmm. there must've been a cherry, you know, somewhere that grew cherries nearby, but that's like a very core memory for me is being a child on the beach in Michigan, just like covered in cherry juice. And I'm wondering if you're, if your kids have any of those experiences, like if if they associate certain foods with like growing up in Michigan in the summer. I'm sure they do, but I wonder if they know it. I, I have a feeling because for me it was wild blueberry season. I mean, you could go out into the woods and just find wild blueberries, patches of wild blueberries. And they're even harder to find in lower Michigan where I am now. But when I go back up North, um, you know, that's something that's very special and it's short lived and you can't, Mm -hmm. you can't do it the rest of the time. But I don't know if when I was a kid, I knew that it wasn't till like later you had that nostalgia looking back and say, Oh, remember, or remember when we would go pick peaches or remember when we would go to the U pick and get blueberries or strawberries or whatever was in season. I -hmm. sometimes wonder if my kids recognize that that's not how it is everywhere. I kind of doubt it. I think it's the kind of thing they'll probably get one day when they're older, but they don't get it yet. Yeah. Yes. You're probably right. Um, so kind of on that same vein, I am wondering about what you love the most about cooking in certain seasons. And I, you know, we don't, again, we don't really have fall here, but I'm a huge chili fan. So Mm -hmm. I'll like cook a Mm -hmm. pot of chili when it's like 90 degrees in September. Um, Although I think it would taste better if I was, you know, <laughs> somewhere else. Yeah. Um, Crank up the air conditioning. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sit in an ice bath and eat it. But yeah, um, I'm wondering if you have a favorite season for cooking or if there's certain things that like eating whatever item it is in a certain season yeah. is just like magic to you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that fall, uh, like when it starts to get cold fall. So for us, that's, you know, like mid October is where it starts to get, I would say, um, brisk. And then by November, we're having legitimately really cold days. So that's when I feel like chili or stew, um, soups, roasts, my big old slab of meat with potatoes and veg on the side. Like that's when that all comes out. And I love cooking that way. And I cook that way up until you know, April, like until it starts to feel like it's time for something different. And then I feel like May through like October is just grill season. You just throw everything on the grill because Mm -hmm. everything tastes amazing on the grill. And it's so easy. 
Um, so I, I love both of those, those seasons for very different reasons. I feel like the, the flavors I'm wanting say in June, July, August, even into September and October are a little less congealed and more distinct and more based around fresh produce. Cause that's really when we're getting, you know, our abundant produce is starting like in late June, really kicking off in July and then goes through September. So you have a really wide variety of stuff that you can get access to during those months. And then after that, it's like, okay, now we're digging out the root vegetables that are looking a little weak. <laughs> you know, they're, they're looking a little, that carrot's looking a little bit limp. So let's put it in a, in a stoop, a soup or a stew. Um, right. I love them both for very different reasons. Yeah. I, you yeah. know, I'm sure you've talked about this on other episodes, but I can't um, remember one specifically. Do you, do you do a lot of just like, here's what I have. Let me make something kind of cooking year round. Or are you more of like a recipe person? I'm, hmm. I'm really not a very, very much a recipe person because I'm really bad at following recipes, really bad at it. I don't know what it is. I have like a mental block where I will look at a recipe 75 times while I'm trying to follow it. And then I walk away and go, wait, what did it say? And then I have to go back and look at it again. And then I turn, I will literally sometimes turn away from the recipe and I've already forgotten what I just oh, read. So yeah, for sure. Um, I tend to kind of now that I've been cooking for a family for so long, I'm really good at improvising. So I will go to the store and say, okay, this meat is on sale. These vegetables are in season. That's what, that's what I'm going to start with. And then how am I going to arrange it? Maybe it's going to be a mix of, um, maybe it's going to be a mix of just kind of something I've done in the past and I'm just going to improvise on it. Maybe I'm going to keep it really, really simple. I know that this is going to taste great on the grill and I'm just going to put the veggies on the side, veggies on the side and maybe make some rice or something like that and not overthink it. So kind of both, but I think mm -hmm. I wing it. I think it looks like winging it more than it actually is, if that makes sense. Got it. Yes. Yeah. And are, are your kids pretty adaptive eaters? Like, are they okay kind of moving through the seasons with you food wise? Yeah. Yes. They... They don't all love everything, but they'll all find something to eat. So I don't do a lot of things. I've just never been the kind of cook who's making like complicated meals where everything is in one dish and there's like a sauce. That's just not the way I typically cook. So there's always something they can kind of pick out. Um, and if there is a sauce, it's on the side. And there's, there's certain... Um, there's certain like exceptions to that. Like They love Indian food. So if I make say like butter chicken, which is like the simplest and most accessible thing that I can, well, first of all, it's the simplest thing I can make. That's an Indian dish, but also it's really accessible for kids. They will, they'll eat the whole thing. They love the chicken and the sauce. If I was making something else, maybe I would lay off the sauce and just have the chicken and the sides. And they don't all like equally love broccoli or whatever, but they'll all mm -hmm. find something that they like to eat. And it's actually kind of funny when they were little, they all had their things that they really liked and their things that they didn't. And I would let them eat off of each other's plates. So I would literally let them swap food at the table uh -huh. and somebody would get all of somebody else's broccoli because somebody, you know, Owen always loved the vegetables. He was not as into the meat. So Owen got all of Will's broccoli and Will got all of Owen's, you know, chicken or, or pot roast or whatever it was. And that worked for a long time. I would say now, they all kind of just eat what's in front of them. They're pretty good that way, which is not to say they didn't go through picky stages because they did. I just think it was like, it was more like when they were two mm -hmm. and 
the way around it then was if they were really into white foods, they got a lot of white rice or they got bread with butter. And I didn't stress about it too much. And by the time they were all in elementary school, it was not, it was not um, enough of a thing that it made meals stressful. It was still a mm-hmm. thing, but like, it was just like a background thing that I was able to not pay too close of attention to. For sure. I think that's reassuring to me and probably other parents who are kind of in this phase. Cause we, you know, we, as I'm like gearing up for winter and thinking of like, Oh, here are all of the great things that I enjoy eating in the fall and winter in the back of my head. There's always that like, you know, but this one won't eat beans and this right, one won't eat right. <laughs> ground beef. So right. like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I, I remember believe- having years where it was like, okay, well I would make, you always have a side, right? So I'm going to make chili, but I'm also going to have a plate of cornbread and I know everyone's going to eat the cornbread. And then maybe one kid is going to pick all the beans out because that's all they want to eat. And Mm -hmm. then maybe one kid's going to pick all the beans out because they don't want to eat it, but they're still going to get their piece of cornbread. And then the end, they're all going to get food in their stomachs. And nowadays they've all kind of outgrown that. And I think that's the hope, right? Because you hear if your kid, if you don't expose them to everything when they're really little, they'll never, they'll never branch out. Their palates will never develop. And I just don't think that's true. When I was a little kid, I went through phases where all I would eat was Velveeta for right. like a really long time. I remember that phase and I certainly am not in that phase anymore and haven't been for a really long time. Yes, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the other things that I'm wondering, especially when it comes to fall, because when I think of fall, that's around here, at least where we have the most opportunities to go to festivals and pumpkin patches and all kinds of things. Um, but it has been one of my favorite things to do to, to have those opportunities to take the kids out to all of these fun activities. Um, but now that I have three and um, especially with the baby being the age that he is um, and the pumpkin patch is opening down the street from me, mm-hmm. lugging everyone to the pumpkin patch sounds a little bit miserable. So I'm so curious how you as a mom of five kids were able to manage seasonal activities. If you have any tips, like what you chose to do and what you didn't um, and how that worked for your family. Yeah. I mean, the struggle is real with that. Um, I, okay. So (laughs) there were a few tactics, I guess, or just, just a mindset that I had toward it. And one was that those things don't happen. They don't have to happen every year to count. Um, If you only ever take your kids to the pumpkin patch once, it still happened. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be something you do every single year. So just take the pressure off yourself and try something Like, don't feel like you, if you do something and then never do it again, you've created an expectation or you've set a precedent or somehow you're going to, you know, be failing. If you decide the following year, it's not the year to do it. it. It can happen once it can happen four times. It can happen on the years you feel like it, like on the years, the weather cooperates, it's, and it all, it all counts, right? It all adds up. So that was my first one. And then the other thing is that sometimes things meet their natural expiration date. So maybe there was a reason why going to the pumpkin patch or going to see Santa for this one magical window of time was great. Maybe your kids were just the right age, or maybe the kids that were at the age to enjoy it were the right kids to enjoy it. Not every kid enjoys all of these things exactly the same. And so like, it's okay if it's something that was fun and now it's not fun anymore. And if it's not fun for everybody, you don't have to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that just taking that pressure off is so helpful. Um, we stopped going to see Santa. I want to say like when Owen was a toddler, cause he 
wanted nothing to do with it. And I thought, well, this is just torture. Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And then I think Clara actually got to go to see Santa with her grandma. So I didn't, that's another one. You can lean on like other people to do those things. And that still counts. The county fair is a big one around here. We have like a really big youth fair um, with the midway. It's not huge or anything, but for, for a youth fair, it's pretty big. And it's a week in the summer that everyone looks forward to. And some years I would take the kids, but some years my stepmom would take the kids and some years my mother-in-law would take the kids. And mm-hmm. some years we didn't go at all. It was like, it, it was, it's a fun thing to do when it works, but if it's not fun, um, you cannot you can not do it. And I, I think just letting the, letting yourself off the hook is like the number one tactic there for just keeping your expectations in check. For sure. And I, I think I have a little bit of guilt sometimes about the youngest because I feel like the others got to do these little kid things when they were little yeah. that now they've kind of aged out of or are about to. Um, and in my head, I'm like, oh, he's going to miss that thing that we did when, you know, everyone else right. has the picture next to the pumpkin or whatever it is. Right. Um, but then at the same time, I guess we're doing different things that he's tagging along to that the other ones didn't. So, um, right. And maybe sure they'll come all. a point, maybe they'll come a point where the older ones will be older enough that you can have some one-on-one time with the youngest and mm-hmm. like almost get like a, another shot, like a retry at the right. end or a redo to do those things in a different way. And kids don't magically stop enjoying things just because they're three or four or five or whatever age it is. Like those things can be enjoyable quite, quite a lot later. Also, a lot of it they're doing in school. I had to remind mm-hmm. myself that my kids' preschool class also went to the pumpkin patch and my kids' kindergarten classes also went on nature walks in the fall. And like there was a lot of things happening that didn't have to be on my watch and the kids were still getting those experiences. Oh, that's such a great point. I didn't even think of that. All right. So I have a question about the markers between seasons that are important Mm -hmm. for you. And I know that a lot of us, myself included, kind of use holidays as our, I guess, points of transition between, you Mm -hmm. know, fall and winter and spring. Um, And I'm wondering if that is true for you, if if, you know, like Thanksgiving and Christmas are important transitionally for your family or if there's other I guess, like events or things that are happening that are significant in that way. You know, the hard one always was for me. I I always felt like, and I don't know if this is going to answer your question, but I'll just speak to it. (laughs) Um, I always felt like the fall was one big, you know, like blur of fun activities and a lot of change. So you start school for us. It's always been early September. That marks like the end of summer, at least the end of summer vacation pretty quickly. It feels like fall. Then you're going into Halloween. Then really quick on the tails after Halloween, it's Thanksgiving. Then you've got Christmas and New Year's. And then there's just this long slog Mm -hmm. with nothing (laughs) until Easter, you know, and a lot happens between January and April weather wise. And it's also a very long, dark time without a lot of breaks from school. Mm -hmm. So I wish I had been thoughtful and, um, strategic about that because I think that was a really rough time for me as a mom of young kids. Valentine's day was not going to cut it. (laughs) I Mm -hmm. needed something more. And I don't know about you where you are, but here, um, spring break used to be, I know they're changing it. They're making it earlier now for elementary kids, but we didn't get spring break until April. And 
I was like, man, we really need this. Like we need this in like February or like the end, you know, maybe the beginning of March. It really needs, we need a break. Right. Mm -hmm. We would just kind of ooze into April. Um, I will say that one thing that really shook up the monotony for us was snow days, which you don't have. Right. (laughs) But we got a lot of snow days and some years we would have so many snow days that like there was a threat that we would have to, the kids would have to go to school longer at the end of the year because we had something like two weeks worth of snow days. And that's really actually fun for me as a mom or was, you know, it was fun to tell the kids there was a snow day. It was fun to know the night before if it was going to be a snow day, because then everyone kind of felt like you got a night, you could stay up late and watch a movie. And the next day it just kind of broke up the monotony, but you can't plan for those. And some years you don't have any. So I wish I had like some amazing advice to give people because I know it's such a slog. Um, I do think there probably were little things we would do like, Oh, we're all going to stay in on, um, I don't know, Saturdays and play board games. I think there were like things like that, that I used to do. I remember going with my, um, my brother and his wife and their kids to this brewery on Sundays, all through the like really snowy period and like the kind of gloomy early spring and playing board games. That was one of those like really family friendly breweries and the kids would play board games at one table and the adults would play at a different table and the kids would each get like a bottle of root beer and the parents would all get a beer. And that felt like just having little rituals like that really helped, but I didn't, it wasn't something where like I looked way ahead and had it on the calendar as something to look forward to. And probably that would have been something we would have all liked. I bet you Sarah is probably the person to ask about that because it seems like the kind of thing she'd be really good at. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm curious because when I, when I think back on when I did experience seasons, that's the same one for me that sticks out as like February, March, April even Mm -hmm. was always like, oof. (laughs) Well, and I think, (laughs) I think this is why if you're in a more, I guess, liturgical you know, faith where you're really following a calendar. That's why those calendar holidays are so important. You get a whole mm-hmm. month for Advent. Um, you get all the lead up of Lent to Easter. You need the Lent more than you need. Like, right. You need the, the, the part where you like, you're showing up every, every week with something new to think about and something to do, because that is a dreary, dreary time of year. So I think sure. any traditions or, um, routines and rituals you can put around that time. Even if it's something little like every Tuesday night is, you know, we're going to watch a movie in our pajamas at seven o'clock or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think really help. It helps more than we know when, when it's happening, we don't realize how helpful it is. It's when we look back at it that we realize. And I think that's true for parents as well as, as kids. For sure. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting in the past couple of years, my, my, the school district that I live and, and worked in, um, added an extra week of break in February. Um, and I think it was more of a push from the teachers than the, the, you know, local families, but that, I don't think I even realized I needed it until I got it. And then I was like, wow, this is really, this is exactly when we need to take a break from school. Yeah. Um, But here it's nice because it is, it's interesting. It does still get kind of law in February. And I think it's what you're describing. Like it's that you're kind of on the come down from like all of this excitement mm. of like fall and Christmas. And then you're like, Oh, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. So even though we can, you know, we're not necessarily stuck inside here. It is interesting that there's still kind of that mood of, you know, meh. 
Well, even without being stuck inside, I could see how having nice weather year round could start to feel monotonous too. Like mm-hmm. either way, it's like, is the monotony that it's cold and gray and dreary and you're stuck inside or is the monotony that just that the weather hasn't changed significantly in so long and there's nothing on the calendar. I mean, they're both monotonous. So. Yes. <laughs> and it's always fascinating to me that we'll FaceTime with my parents or something in winter and the kids will get off the call and they'll be like, oh, they're so lucky that they live there where it's snowy and it's cold and they can go ice skating. And, you know, it's just whatever you have is the opposite of what you want. I think. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So my last question for you is a little bit silly, but I'm curious about your answer. Um, And that is if you would have to describe yourself like your personality as a season, which one would it be? And then also, would you describe any of your kids? Or I'd also be curious to hear about your partner if like you guys have the same seasonal personalities. Okay, well, this is a great question. For myself, I think I am spring um, because I'm like a little chaotic, but like eternally and I'm kind of all over the place. As far as like my moods being kind of up and down and a little bit unpredictable, but I'm eternally hopeful and optimistic. So I feel like that's very spring. Um, I feel like I'm thinking through my kids and trying to assign them each. My daughter, Clara, is probably, this is going to sound really negative and I don't mean it to, she's probably like a fall getting towards winter because she tends to be a little pessimistic. Like she's very enjoyable and sweet and great to be around, but she's can be kind of gloomy (laughs) and she's like looking forward to more gloom. I would actually put my boyfriend, Eric, in the same category. Like he's great. He's like a great fall day. He's just like the best person to be around. But mentally, you know, he's already like storing up nuts in his head (laughs) for when things turn. Right. Um, Owen's probably more like a winter. He's very just like matter of fact and crisp. I mean, this is like kind of a, I guess a very figurative exercise, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Will's just like a sunny summer day. He's just chill. He's like, here I am, you know, like take me or leave me. I just want to have fun. I want to enjoy myself. I want to do what think when I think about a will and I think about the summer, it's like, he's just going to do exactly what he needs to get done. No more, no less. And that's kind of how I feel about a summer day. It's uh-huh. like, it just, it just encompasses what it is. It is what it is. And then Isaac and Jake, man, now that they're adults, I really have to step back and remember like, what were they like as kids? And is it the same now? I think Jacob is a lot like Clara. They have a lot in common. And I think a lot of it is that um, easy to be around yet. Like, they tend toward a little melancholy. So I'm going to put him as a fall. And I think I'm going to say Isaac's a spring like me. I think of all my kids, he's probably the one most like me, like, um, maybe a little all over the place. Isn't quite sure what he wants to do, but he's, but he's optimistic and hopeful for the future. So there you go. And is he your oldest? He's not Jacob's my oldest. So Jacob and Clara are like the bookends. They're very similar. They even look the same. They have, they both have dark hair and kind of pensive faces is the only way oh, that's so it. interesting. And then um and then Owen and Isaac look a lot alike but are very different personality wise. And then Will's just in the middle like, "Hey bra, like <laughs> come on man, let's get on the surfboard." I mean, he is such a summer. It kind of kills wow. me thinking about it. Yeah. I love that. And I love that about 
Well, it's it's funny. I feel like I might be a kindred spirit with your daughter because I would also describe myself as like a melancholy fall to yeah. winter. Um, but my husband is a summer. So I wonder if you were to like, you know, expand this metaphor to partnerships, if that is a common I bet, pattern. I bet you it totally is because opposites do attract. And also, I think we all find either comfort or excitement from people who are very different from us. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you do this exercise with your kids too? You know, I didn't, um, but I could do it pretty quickly. Um, My, my middle child, I mean, my kids are one, three and five. So, right. So So they're emerging. (laughs) Right. Like who knows what they are, but my middle child feels, feels the most like me. He is a little, um, a little grumpy (laughs) in an endearing kind of way. Um, and then my, my oldest is much more like my husband. She's very chipper and positive. Nothing phases her. She's, you know, there's not a lot of peaks and valleys. She's, I would describe her as a summer. Um, and then, Yeah. yeah, my littlest, I mean, he's 16 months, but he's, um, he's chaos. He's, uh, I might describe him as fall because I think of a, like weather changes. <laughs> He's, I don't know what I'm going to get every morning with the littlest. So that's very similar to Isaac, my now 22 year old, when he was that age, he's actually the one, I don't know if you've seen that picture of me carrying a screaming three-year-old, the one yeah. that got turned into a meme. Yes. That was, <laughs> that was Isaac. And he, I, I would have said it was also, I wasn't sure where that changeability was going to go when he was a toddler and it went toward being a little more chill and optimistic rather than being, so he became a spring rather than a fall, but I could have seen it going either way. So. Oh, wow. That's reassuring. Yeah. That's helpful. Yeah. Cause yeah, some mornings <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, man, which We're, kid am I going to, which kid right. am I going to encounter this morning? Right. Yeah. And do I have the energy to, <laughs> to make it through the storm? But I love it. Love it. Well, Catherine, this has been so fun. Thank you for interviewing me today. Um, this has been a nice change of pace. And it was really fun to hear your questions. Yeah, it was so great talking to you. Thanks for having me. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K E R I K A dot A P P and use code the mom hour to save 20%. The mom hour is brought to you by the essential calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because it's beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time. Yeah. And with summer fast approaching, now is a great time to get the essential calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour.